Welcome back to another Surely You Can't Be Serious episode of the First Time Watches Podcast. I am serious, and stop calling me Shirley, because we like to watch. My name is Tim Costa. I'm Romano De Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And what we like to do on the FTW Podcast is find a movie that none of us have seen, watch it together, and then discuss. These movies could be new, they could be old, or something that's on all of our lists of shame. Stay tuned at the very end of this episode to hear each of us make a very special movie recommendation. And remember, you can email us at firsttimewatchers at gmail.com. Uh, speaking of feedback, oh, uh, so this episode marks the last of our 2018 season. And uh, we won't be back until the beginning of February when we uh, make a glorious return for the best of 2018. Merry Christmas, everybody. And Happy New Year. And ha- Happy New Year. I and so I sent out a tweet asking, uh, you know, since this is our last of 2018, does anybody have any feedback? Uh, what and also, what is the biggest uh, surprise 2018 film? And what was your favorite rewatch this year? Got some responses. Uh, some account called in 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 session in session film. I don't know. I've never heard of them. Uh, replied, thank God it's... new. <laughs> replied, thank God it's over. Uh, biggest surprise was not the Meg. And uh, favorite re- rewatch was Avengers Infinity War. Okay. <clears throat> I think that's a bot account. Bot, yes, bots. Russian bots. Russians. Uh, film illiterates. Joe, thank you. Uh, feedback, talk about Geostorm more. No problem, Joe. Uh <laughs> Biggest surprise, how much fun I had watching The Terrible Truth or Dare. Favorite rewatch this year, The Predator. That's just a troll job by Joe there. Uh, he, he wrote later on, serious answer though, looking back through my letterbox diary, rewatching Psycho 2 this year has been incredibly rewarding. Also serious answer, Truth or Dare is legitimately one of the funniest damn things I've seen in theaters for a while for all the wrong reasons. At Dustin Checks Out, I was surprised by how much I... Ended up liking Destination Wedding, House That Jack Built, and Upgrade. I think Hearts Beat Loud and Thunder Road are the best surprises of the year and need more love. Dan, the comic concierge, uh, probably would be watching Toy Story with my son. His first real watch, just seeing how well it still works for kids, totally considering I first saw it when I was in elementary school. You're young, Dan. Jeez. Oh, at Darth... A Gator 007. That's Barry from the True Romance podcast. Go watch the True. Uh, go listen to the True Romance uh, podcast, guys. Um, a 2018 film rewatch. Your show is only good when I guest on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, biggest surprise was probably Blockers. That's a fun movie. That's a good movie. Uh, at Butty 1972, Moneyball, such a good film. And although I've got a five-year-old, uh, I've watched Incredibles about 20 times. <laughs> I'm sure you, you can relate there, Hermano. Uh, probably got on beat. <laughs> um, at the Mad Hatter, rewatch of a movie from any year, Star Wars, A New Hope. Uh, but this time, the music was all played by the National Symphony Orchestra at the Kennedy Center. That sounds cool. Uh, rewatch from a movie of 2018, Annihilation, currently the number one of 2018. Uh, at Leslie Vogt, uh, Blockers was really fun. I agree. 
Oh, at, uh, trying to be a DJ, uh, V, uh, DJ Valentine, uh, Star is Born surprised me, and I've seen Fallout like four times. <laughs> uh, so that's about it. Thank you for all the replies, guys. Uh, sounds like... Yeah, I, I, I thank you as well, because I do love, I love hearing from uh, people who follow the show. Absolutely. Uh, all right, well, moving on. In this episode, we continue our second time watch our series to discuss a movie from your childhood, Wally, the 1980 film Airplane, with an exclamation mark. But before we get into that, it is time for Yay or Day. <laughs> this is the part of the show where we discuss what we have seen recently on our own, Wally. All right, so uh, one is a, a very immediate rewatch and kind of prescient because... Uh, you and I, Tim, had gone on a mandate and seen Suspiria from 2018 oh. uh, at our local theater. And I was able to score tickets to go see the 1977 Suspiria with Claudio Simonetti's Goblin providing the soundtrack live. And it was awesome. It sounds it. Uh, it's, uh, he's there, there's, uh, it's Claudio and then a couple of the original band members. And they have a, a, a woman who I was not familiar with that was their bassist. And one thing I will say is that it was the uh, the American cut, so it was all dubbed in English, not like the one that we saw, that 35mm director's cut print. Right. Uh, because some of the scenes looked a lot different than what I remember when we watched it the first time in at the uh, Coolidge Corner Theater. Yep. So it's certainly edited, uh, edited down for a uh, theatrical release film. And the one thing I will say that when you watch it with the live band, is that you see a little bit more of the flaw in the movie where they where the, these flaws pop up. There are scenes that go on too long, um, and you don't really notice it at first. But when the band starts playing and you're hearing like the the band keep going and there's still no dialogue, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can see that that maybe some of these scenes could have been maybe cut a little bit shorter. But uh, overall, this is obviously a yay. And if you get the chance. Uh, get tickets it was it was absolutely worth it because after the show goblin played a pretty decent little set with uh songs from um other movies that they've done like demons and, and mother of tears and uh they didn't play inferno which i really was hoping that they were gonna play but they did this amazing version of phenomena live which was made by night i was like oh, you know what? i can forgive all of i can forgive not hearing inferno uh, this this was good enough for me, and, and so Suspiria is a yay. And then Tim, uh, you had tweeted out, uh, or somebody had tweeted out a movie that uh, no, I think it was you that tweeted out, like a movie that we recommended or that you would me- maybe recommended to check out. Right. And I tweeted, uh, retweeted out, and I got to see. Sorry to bother you. Mm-hmm. And this movie is, it's interesting. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> it's all kind of crazy. Uh, it, it it yeah it goes it's all over the place that's really the the i think the thing that kind of hurts this movie is the fact that it is all over the place with what it's what it wants to include it what it's what it's trying to do because like at the beginning it's like this like absurd thing and i was getting the giggles like when he brought like the trophy that he made and like his employee of the month award i was like that's pretty funny and then later on he's like looking at the camera he's making the phone calls and behind him something is happening in the back room with there's paper flying around. But then like it kind of, it, it veers off on its own. Like it's not aimless, but it's like, it almost doesn't fit. Well, and then uh, you get uh, to the, you get to the end 
And then the end just goes way off the rails. And at that point, I was like, I want to see more of this. This is this is bananas. <laughs> yeah, it has a lot on its mind. It's doing a trying to do a lot uh, in a relatively short period of time. And and uh, you're right. There's a lot of stuff being thrown against the wall that doesn't entirely land. But I certainly appreciate the effort, and it's certainly a, a unique take, uh, uh, visually, stylistically, s- storytelling wise. You know, there's a lot different. And, yeah, but uh, overall, this movie was—I I enjoyed it. Um, will it make my top five of the year? I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about it again. May give it a second watch. But for what this movie is and what it wants to do, uh, it does whatever it damn well pleases. And I—I I like bold. I like daring. I like pushing limits, and I think that this movie does all of that, and so it gets a yay. There's a lot of horse cock. There's a lot of horse cock, um, <laughs> and just just absurdity left and right. And I think that's why I like it. it. Just it becomes, it just gets steadily more absurd as it goes along. Well, it's it's uh, kind of Terry Gilliam esque. It's uh, Michelle Gondry esque. You know. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of it's got a lot of influences on it, and I think it's I think it's a very well done movie. Um, so yeah, it's a yay. Yeah. Romano? All right. I watched two things. Uh, one was a rewatch. One was a first-time watch. Decided to, because it's the season, introduce my kids to some Christmas films. Uh, the first one was from 1996, Jingle All the Way. Oh, God. Yeah. Nice, family-friendly Arnold Schwarzenegger Christmas film. Uh, also starring Sinbad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a father a father vows to get his son a Turbo Man action figure for Christmas. However, every store is sold out of them, and he must travel all over town and compete with everyone else in order to find one. Uh, I hadn't seen this film in, in a long time. I remembered it, I wouldn't say fondly, but that it was fun. And, you know, for what it was, as Christmas films go, it was pretty good. Uh, watching it the other night, I don't know if I still hold that opinion. <laughs> uh <laughs> The first thing I noticed, and I don't even know why I'm bothering even, like, critiquing this, but, like, the acting in this is atrocious. Like, no one is really trying, except for maybe Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman's also in this. Scene stealer Phil Hartman, great as always. R.I.P. Phil Hartman. Hmm. Um, But who else is in this is future Anakin Skywalker, Jake Lloyd, (laughs) as uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, this came out three years before Phantom Menace. So one can only assume that George Lucas watched Jingle All the Way, <laughs> saw Jake Lloyd's performance, and was like, that's my Anakin Skywalker. Mm. <laughs> I mean, prove me wrong. I, I can't. <laughs> anyway, uh, regardless, the film, it's still fun. This one didn't hold uh, the boys' attention as much as the next one I'm going to mention, which was the, my first time watching it as well, but... I mean, it's it's still it's fun. It's really light. It's it's something that I'm sure you know Tim can probably appreciate. I think most parents can appreciate the the pressure to get like the perfect gift for your kid. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily like having to beat the shit out of people Black Friday style uh, trying to get it, but um, you know, do you feel that at all, Tim? Am like I supposed the... to get gifts for my kid? Is that yeah, a requirement as a parent? I mean, yeah, you're not just supposed to build them the little figure from the Blair Witch Project. You're supposed to actually get them, go to the store, get them toys. I got, I got her the Babadook book. <laughs> Sweet, she'll appreciate that uh, when she's in her goth goth phase at age thirteen. Nice. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, on some level, I, you know, the kids liked it. This one, like I said, it didn't hold their intention. It was a lot of lulls, but overall it was fine. Uh, so I'd say kind of mad to a yay, depending on my mood <laughs> and next my first time watching this and, um, probably the only reason I'm watching it is because, you know, I have kids now. They gave me the excuse to watch this. I had no interest in it back in the day, but from 2004, the polar express. Oh yeah. All right. It's a good choice. You guys seen this? I have. I, I, have. I saw it in the theater okay. when it came out. I went to the the Jordan's IMAX screen, <laughs> the Jordan's wow. Furniture IMAX screen, when it was one of the only IMAX screens back then uh, in in the Framingham area. Well, we have, we share something in common because I, I watched the very next one he made, Robert Zemeckis, that is, and on an IMAX as well, 3D, Beowulf. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Directed by Robert Zemeckis, like I said, starring Tom Hanks. He plays multiple roles in this. Uh, so, obviously, synopsis on Christmas Eve, a young boy embarks on a magical adventure to the North Pole on the Polar Express while learning about friendship, bravery, and the spirit of Christmas. You know, I will tell you, I think this movie has been force fed uh, to us as uh, a quote unquote Christmas classic simply because of its source material. I, I think it was immediately fo- hoisted. Uh, to that to that status without ever having gone through any kind of uh i don't know public scrutiny and for some reason is just anointed it was immediately anointed this is a christmas classic you will it will always be referred to and considered a christmas classic and there is uh no debating it and I, i'm not sure why i'm not sure why i think like i said i think it's only because of its source material I honestly am not familiar. Is it based on a book or something? Yes. I have no idea. Yes. Okay. Um, and to be fair, I mean, to be honest, um, hearing you say that is surprising because on IMDb, I thought this film was also very beloved and like, mm-hmm. you know, like it was, it was like untouchable or something, but like on IMDb, not so much. It's only got an average of like 6.6 right. critics as well. Weren't super kind to it. Um, I remember most of the narrative around it when it came out, as I can recall, was, you know, the animation was, uh, ahead of its time, you know, like, you know, they were trying to do photorealistic, uh, human characters. Even, I remember even then the uh, criticism towards the eyes and the tongues were, were pretty harsh. It was obvious. Like, yeah, but like, to be fair, like, I don't know how you guys feel about Robert Zemeckis. For me, like as far as directors go, I put him in the same category as someone like um, James Cameron. James Cameron. Absolutely. He's like someone who's trying to always push the the technology, put you know, innovate, do something that hasn't been done before. I mean, not necessarily. I mean, the Polar Express, the Final Fantasy, of the Spirits Within came out like three years before, yeah. and that was the first time anyone had really seen like a, an attempt at photorealistic yeah. uh, human characters and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, you look back at it now. And it's it's not I wouldn't say laughable like I, I think overall it still holds up that where it most falls behind is like the human movements the eyes like yeah. we already mentioned like the characters don't move naturally uh, I, I mean obviously you know these studios have made leaps and bounds uh, in strides in in this department but I appreciate him as a director for for stuff like that. And just, overall, just, the film is enjoyable. I agree with you about it, enjoyable. And just to go a little bit further on Zemeckis, I think to be fair as well regarding him and and his resources, he has had a lot of help from Steven Spielberg and Steven Spielberg's studio. Whereas someone like James Cameron has pretty much done it by himself. 
whatever innovations and and technology he's developed, uh, he hasn't had the the same kind of backing uh, as another uh, from another filmmaker or or producer like Zemeckis has worked with Steven Spielberg. But that doesn't that shouldn't take away what Zemeckis has has brought to the table. You know, I I, I just think there is a, a slight difference in, in both of their output. Yeah, I just when I when I was trying to think of him as a director, I I couldn't help but just immediately think of someone like James Cameron. Sure. So I, I'm not saying they're like on equal footing or anything. They're just like I was looking at Zemeckis's body of work, and yeah. I was looking at you know like he did Back to the Future, obviously Roger Rabbit, uh, Contact, Forrest Gump. Gump yeah. Like these are all like really great films sure. in my opinion. And he has uh, one coming out end of this year or next year or something. Welcome to Marwin. Oh yes, um, yes. So I and that I saw the trailer for that just recently. I didn't even realize it was him. I didn't even see his name on it. Hmm. So looking at his you know upcoming films, I was like, oh wow, I didn't know that, even know that was him. But hmm. you know, back to the Polar Express, the kids liked it. They liked the animation style. I mean, it's obvious why he was interested in in this like animation, and because only with a movie like this can you bring some of these scenes to life, like all the train stuff, like just some of the more magical elements of the story you just couldn't do that with live action so you could see why someone like him would just be like this could be the future and obviously he was kind of right because a lot of stuff now is live action interpretations of like you know films we've seen as just like either um like a lot of disney stuff that's coming out recently like you know dumbo lion king aladdin you know they're trying to do like the more photorealistic stuff so i'm sure those are going to blow this out of the water but <laughs> i mean he was there you know you know pioneering when um you know the technology wasn't quite as great as it is now so um you know i appreciate them on that level and like i said the kids really enjoyed this they really were into a lot of the the crazy stuff i mean it's a pretty i don't know how the book is received I'm, I, like you said it, it's beloved or whatever but like mm -hmm. it seems like a pretty conventional like you know a kid not believing in santa claus and then by the end of the film he learns to believe and it's like you know, it's a it's a pretty easy story for a kid to digest. So, my, you know, it was one of the few times where my, my son was just enjoying the film and not asking me like every 10 seconds, like what's going on, what's going on, what's going on, you know, like what are they doing? And he was just able to follow along. So on that level, I think it's a success as well. So overall, I, I enjoyed it. You know, watch, you know watching with the kids is always like a, it gets a, a film will get a bump for me because of, you know, seeing my son's reactions to it and stuff like that. So it's a yay overall. Hey, some late, uh, late feedback on the uh, on the tweet. Uh, Let's hear it. Uh, feedback: more cowbell, baby. Uh, surprise! Okay. Happy time murders. That has not been well received. So that's a minority opinion there. And rewatch tag. Yeah, tag's, tag's I, a good one. I actually just heard from someone today that happy time murders was garbage. Uh, yes. So. <laughs> Sorry. I uh, all right. Several things for me. Um, a few uh, from 2018, a movie that was released on Netflix recently that got a lot of praise. Uh, that A movie nobody had even realized, I guess, was coming out. It's called Cam, C-A-M, Cam. Uh, Alice from and Blumhouse? It, uh, yes, actually. I was very surprised to, to see the, the opening credits that a Blumhouse film would, would drop on Netflix. Um, and, you know, looking at the, the production value... Uh, in, mostly in terms of acting, I, I guess I can see why it would have been a Netflix release instead of a theatrical release. I don't think it would have gotten good word of mouth simply based on the acting alone. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff to appreciate in terms of the production design, and the lighting, and the cinematography, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and also, it's it's more of an extended 
Black Mirror episode or Twilight Zone episode, Alice, an ambitious cam girl, wakes up one day to discover she's been replaced on her show with an exact replica of herself. I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. It it does do a good job of showing sex work from a positive angle. Uh, The only real negative aspect of it, you know, looking at it is is from her family and friends once they find out. But other than that, the depiction of it is is positive, and and so uh, you know that's that's you know uh, a good thing to come uh, away from this movie, I guess. Um, but you know, it, it's it's nothing that's gonna uh, make anyone's end of the year top list or something like that. Although I have seen I have seen a number of people rate it very highly, and I think it has a lot more to do, I think maybe with personal issues and, and anything like that. But from a filmmaking standpoint, it's fine. Uh, we the animals. Uh, is an independent film directed by Jeremiah Zager and starring a bunch of kids and people you've never heard of. Uh, it pretty much revolves around three youths, about 12, 10, and 9 or so, uh, that uh, are just you know witness to their, their mother and father's tumultuous relationship. And uh, it, it's, it's a coming-of-age film. Uh, it, it's, it's Malick-like, kind of in its naturalistic depictions of nature and childhood. You know, honestly, it kind of reminded me a little bit of... Uh, where the wild things are, and I—I I wasn't the biggest fan of that movie. I know a lot of people like you, Hermano, was a huge fan of that movie, and I think that this might land better with other people. And seeing other reviews on Letterbox, obviously, I, I did see just that thing, and and I think someone like you, Hermano, might connect with this movie, uh, and I think you would appreciate its filmmaking and what the message is and the kids journeys. Uh, I just see you, this movie really landing well with you. So keep this in mind. We, the animals. And then I rewatched uh, Mary Poppins because you know, the, the, the Mary Poppins returns with Emily Bunt is coming out in a couple weeks. And, and I hadn't seen the original Mary Poppins in maybe 30 years, similar to my, uh, my history with the sound of music. Wally, this was a movie in your rotation as a kid, right? Yes. Yeah. Between that and The Sound of Music, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, do you have as as fond of memories with Mary Poppins as well? I do, actually. I I also remember having the 33 RPM record that went with... Like with it at one point, and I know I wore that thing to the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is one of those movies where every song is is memorable and great and and everything like that. Uh, Kate and I were actually just doing we're just singing the um, <laughs> oh the the banker song recently. Oh yes. uh, in the car. Yeah, we're playing that through a, a, an MP3 player. I uh, yeah, some really you know what it, I found out uh, I realized when rewatching this movie was. You know, there, there's really no plot to speak of. It's just like moments that are requirements for song and dance scenes. It is kind of progressive, you know, from a standpoint of questioning and challenging the patriarchy uh, and wagging fingers at financial institutions. Like that scene in the bank with yeah. the, 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 old guy. The, the old guy and the and, and the people who run the bank trying to take the two copper pieces from, from Michael is, is like such a indictment on on the banking industry and all that kind of stuff it's really it's really funny uh julie andrews is of course very good and her singing is amazing of course but the character of mary poppins is so strange to me it's like she plays like the template of somebody who has like no personality and it all she has are traits of like steadfastness she's infallible and any questioning of her judgment is like met with scorn and it's like an affront to her name it's it's really weird 
I don't know. Uh, Dick Van Dyke, he's the true star of this film. He's amazing. His his uh, personality, his gait, his presence, it's like all elbows and knees. And and just his, that awful Cockney accent is is a, is just is just great. I don't know. I, there's a lot to like about this movie. Is it's, you know, there's no question as to why it it's such a beloved classic and a lot of people like it. And I hear great things about this new one. So I'll be interested to see Emily Blunt take on this role. Like I said, it's more of a template than it is, uh, you know, such a memorable performance. Yeah, I think the performance from Julie Andrews and The Sound of Music is much more uh, engaging and interesting uh, of an of a actual person than Mary Poppins is. So, yeah, yay for Mary Poppins. Uh, and then uh, end this on a couple things from this year again. Um, the Miseducation of Cameron Post. So this movie and the next one I'm going to mention, I watched on Canopy, which if anybody follows me on Twitter, I was ecstatic to realize recently that my local library, uh, which I frequent every two weeks, is now supports uh, Canopy. And I w- I'm able to watch all the movies on Canopy thanks to uh, my library card. And Canopy has a huge selection of uh, foreign films, independent films, classic films, Criterion Collection, and newer independent films uh one of them being the miseducation of cameron post uh starring chloe grace moretz uh in 1993 a teenage girl is forced into a gay conversion therapy center by her conservative guardians you know it's on the surface there's a lot to like about this film doesn't go uh deep doesn't really dig deep into how conflicted cameron is i never got a sense of her pull one way or the other i do like her performance in it you know they do a good job of showing this camp and how insidious it is because they really don't know what the hell they're doing, especially in terms of what they're doing to the kids' psyches. It's it's a well directed movie, well relatively well written movie. It's just it, I will say, but by the end of this movie, there's a line given to Chloe Grace Metz's character uh, to an official that is straight out of a like an after school special. It's really awkward, really out of place. Um, but overall, it's fine. It's fine. But a movie that is more than fine is a movie that I'll recommend uh, more specifically to Hermano. I'd be wary of recommending it to to Wally. Uh, and that's it's Ma- Tim's pick of the week. This is Tim's pick of the week, and that is Madeline's Madeline. Uh, a, a theater director's latest project takes on a life of its own when her young star takes her performance too seriously. The young star being played by Helena Howard and uh, directed by Josephine Decker. It's one of those movies that it took me about 20 minutes to really engage with it. So this is why I'm hesitant to recommend it to you, Wally, because it might lose you within its first 20 minutes and you'd be like, I don't know what the fuck is going on and I'm, I'm out, you know. So it might never uh, get you back in. Uh, but it is, it is unique. It's, so, it's a movie that's really been sticking with me. It's, it's like a, a fascinating interpretation of mental illness and its ripple effects. And I use interpreta- interpretation because this story is told through the lens of interpretive theater. And the camera kind of, you know, takes the viewer in to interpret multiple things at once. Uh, and I really like Helena Howard in it. She, she really puts on a great performance that's compelling, frightening at times, because you, you never know, you, you're not even clued into the fact that she has suffered from mental uh, disease whether it be, I don't know, schizophrenia or paranoia or, or something, uh, it, until about halfway through the movie. And then 
and then you realize, you know, you look back onto the earlier half of the movie, you you, you get it a lot more. I, I just say also, Wally, that you would probably be wary of the artsy fartsy bullshit nature of some of the parts yeah. of the movie. Uh oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Hermano, I really recommend this movie to you. I think you would you would really appreciate this movie. Uh, it, it's certainly worth a watch uh, to to maybe key in your top ten or or whatever. So. Uh, yeah, Madeline's Madeline isn't gay. What are you looking at, Tim? An article on the internet. What is it? A series of tubes and interconnected electronic devices, but that's not important right now. Uh, what is important is I think I found a way to prove our co-host has been a robot this whole time. Hey, guys. What? Hey, 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 hey. Uh, hi. Yeah. Well, wait, ready to start the show? Yeah. Are you okay? Fine, fine, fine. Every, everything's fine. In fact, you know what show was very fine? The In Session Film Podcast. That's right, Tim. The In Session Film Podcast is JD and Brendan. Well, I've had enough of this. What the hell? Where did the room go? I'll explain after the promo. Continue. Each week, the In Session Film Podcast chooses a movie to review. Then creates a top three list based on what they just saw. This week, the In Session Film Podcast reviews Creed 2. And a top three list of... Wait, no top three this week? Nope. They're catching up on a bunch of stuff they've seen recently, like Minding the Gap, Shirkers, Green Book, and many others. Oh, I see they also have a full review of the acclaimed Japanese film, Shoplifters. Wow, that's a lot to fit in one episode. You can find their show on iTunes by searching for, you guessed it, the In Session Film Podcast. Or on the web at InSessionFilm.com. So if you're in the mood for more great movie reviews and discussion, check out the In Session Film Podcast on iTunes. Or on the web at InSessionFilm.com. So what's going on here, Wally? Well, I'm going to need you to take your helmets off first what what the hell have we been in the basement this whole time then who's been doing the show This is a second time watchers episode, so that means we like to play a game we like to call Movie Battle Royale. This is where we use flickchart.com to create our collective top 10 list of all time. We pit it with five pairings of movies and decide which one is better with each battle. Are we ready? Let them fight! First up, The Cable Guy versus Titanic. Very different movies. 
two, I think uh, one movie that I think is a little underappreciated, and one movie went on to be one of the highest grossing movies of all time. The Cable Guy earned $800 million? What? No. Uh, you know where I'm going. Titanic, come on. Of course. Yeah, we're going to go with Titanic. That's kind of a gimme. Romano? Wait. Uh, I don't <laughs> know if I could admit that either one of these films is good. The Cable Guy is good. The Cable Guy is very good. What are you talking about? I don't remember it fondly. You need to give rewatch it. A, give it, it a rewatch. Yeah. I, I think you'll appreciate it. Absolutely. Wasn't this uh, full-on crazy um, Jim Carrey? Well, I mean, dark crazy, not not yeah. kooky crazy. But before he got like all dramatic on us, right? Well, that's, yeah, that's well before all that. Uh, well, ninety six. That was just before. I think the Truman Show was in ninety nine. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you guys, you guys already made my decision for me. Wait, you would even say Titanic is a good movie? Uh... Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh... <laughs> You're, you're, you're a terrible person. Uh, all right. Uh, Resident Evil, the first one, 2002, versus The Matrix. <laughs> the Matrix, and it's not even close. Not even close. We're, we're coming up in 20 years to this movie, guys. Now, Resident Evil, I will say, is a good movie. It's, it's, a, fun. Fun, it's a fun movie. It's yes. Fun. Until the end. <laughs> What's wrong with the end? They had a, a really good um, grasp on the resident evil game and they really um were able to duplicate a lot of the locales and stuff like that very well and then they totally like stray from the story and go their own way and Who cares? it kind of becomes crazy but Who cares? Eh, it's okay it's fine yeah. right. I, I've, well, I've been getting, i've been given a a, a cornucopia of, of resident evil movies where that are just dumb zombie killing fun but the matrix of course Next up, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou versus Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Well, do you want to say anything mean about uh, Will Ferrell right now? That he loves to shout every single time he gets a chance. You only need to look at the trailer for Homies. Homie, oh, you mean uh, Holmes and Watson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that that's his, his shtick, man. He plays the man child. I I don't know. This is a tough one for me. This is a tough Get one. out. It is a tough one for me. Because Anchorman, uh, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, is a classic and a legendary comedy. Uh and Oh Brother Where Art Thou is is pretty good. It's pretty good. Wow. Um, you yeah. are a monster. Oh Brother Where Art Thou is a fantastic. Uh, you nuts. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's it's middle tier uh, Coen Brothers, which is still pretty good. <laughs> no, I'd say I'd put this on the higher end. I right. put middle tier at like a Simple Man and uh, um, what's the one that just came out? Uh, Buster Oh Caesar or whatever. Oh, yeah, Caesar. <laughs> um, I take it you're going Oh Brother. Oh yeah. I'm going Anchorman then, just to go against you two. Tim, you're a man of constant sorrow. <laughs> it's true. There's no debate of that. All right, Back to the Future Part 2 versus Home Alone. Well, I'm going with Back to the Future Part 2. Why? Because everybody knows I have no love for Home Alone. And even less love for A Christmas Story. Why don't you like Home Alone? I've, I've never liked this movie. I, 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 when it came out, I thought it was dumb. I watched <laughs> it recently. I think this movie is dumb. I can't. I don't like any of the characters. I don't like Kevin's little plan. But we're talking about the second one now, right? 
no, Home Alone, the first Home Alone versus oh, Back to the Future Part the Two. First. Oh. Hmm. Why did I immediately go to Lost in New York? That's a good question. That's a good question. Oh, probably because it's Back to the Future Two. I was thinking it was yeah. against Home Alone Two. Um, uh, no, of course Back to the Future Two. But uh, you know, I think, if, I think if it was Home Alone Two, Wally would give it to that because of the Donald Trump cameo. Oh jeez! Don't be starting shit on the internet. <laughs> uh, it, I, you know how uh, that's gonna spin out of control. Back to the Future Part Two is the weakest in the series, and uh, I would go with Home Alone because it's a strong Christmas movie. Uh, but you guys go Back to the Future Part Two, I guess. And finally, Burn after reading another Coen Brothers versus The Usual Suspects. Uh, yeah, uh, it can't. I will go with Burn. I will go with the uh, The Usual Suspects. Yeah, it has to I be mean, The Usual Suspects. It, 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 it's a classic. Yeah. Burn, yeah. Burn After Reading is probably... I haven't seen The Lady Kill- Killers, so I'll say it's the worst Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. I don't know. Wait, Coen Brothers are, are behind... Uh, they directed The Lady Killers? Yes. All right. Once you see that, I think you'll change your mind. I think The Lady Killers is probably their worst. I didn't even know it was them, to be honest. I've seen it. it now that you're saying it's them, I'm like, yeah, I could totally see why. Why did I not even consider that they have directed that but yeah um yeah i don't know that burnout reading is worse than the lady killers so but brian singer regardless of how you feel about him as a human being put out a quality product and the usual suspects you sure did and we're gonna let it burn MovieMavericks.com, broadcasting current box office breakdowns, movie news, and reviews. Now for your hosts, Jason and Trevor. Hey now, even though we're over 200 episodes deep into the Movie Mavericks podcast, it's still not too late to start listening. Where every show we give you 10 truths, 20 lies, and a bunch of Hollywood secrets. It's like existentialism slipping into nihilism. MovieMavericks.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Okay, let's talk about Airplane. Joey, you ever hang around the gymnasium? We better get back now, Joey. No, Joey can stay here for a while if you'd like. Could I? Okay, if you don't get in the way. Flight 209 to Denver Radio. Climbing to cruise at 42,000. We'll report again over Lincoln. Over and out. Wait a minute. I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. You are Kareem. I've seen you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Right, Clarence? Oh, he's not bothering anyone. Let him stay here. All right, but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says that lots of times you don't even run down court. 
that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen, kid, I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. Joey, you like movies about gladiators? The plot, a man afraid to fly must ensure that a plane lands safely after the pilots become sick. Sure, the writers and directors... Uh, Jim Abrams, David Zucker, and the other Zucker. Uh, the actors, Robert Hayes, Julie Haggerty, Leslie Nielsen, and a lot of others. Uh, Wally, before Hermano and I get into our opinions of the movie, why don't you just remind us why you chose this movie as your second time watcher's pick? Uh, well, I had I had seen clips of it uh, th- through YouTube and uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, I, I really want to watch this movie again, and I love this movie with all my heart. And so I just moved it to the top of my. Uh, our we have each we have, we have a a little bit of backstory. We have a, a Tim makes an Excel, an Excel sheet with uh, all the show's information on. It. He's very good at keeping track of uh, what we need to get done because uh, we would just be a bunch of gerbils running around without him. And he has all of our first our second time watchers uh, movies in a little section at the bottom. And so I just moved it to the top because I wanted to watch it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's that's seriously the only motivation. I had seen some clips on YouTube of it that I was like, I need to watch this whole movie again. And I, I've watched this movie hundreds of times over the course of my life, and it it just keeps it keeps getting better every time I watch it. All right, uh, Hermano, what's your history with this movie? What did you think on this revisit? Um, I had seen it when I was young. I recall uh, it standing out amongst other comedies that I was watching at the time. Uh, it always kind of, um, I don't know, it's like one of those films that I, I had definitely haven't seen it hundreds of times, like Wally just mentioned. But uh, I had seen it a bunch of times in the 80s, I think maybe sprinkled a few time, a few viewings in the 90s and just hadn't seen it in a long time, probably over 10, maybe even 15 years. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think this was one of the better rewatches I've had in a, a really long time because I was... <laughs> uproariously laughing uh watching it and remembering certain scenes and i'd forgotten a bunch of stuff and just kind of all of a sudden as it you know the scenes were playing out I, they just kind of you know filled in a blank in my memory that i forgot was there and it was great man just like um and without even knowing it uh when i was a kid i think this film really informed on my uh, comedy sensibility because I've said in the past that I kind of appreciate uh, like kind of absurd humor, Um, you know, things like Nathan for you, the Sasha Baron Cohen stuff, like, you know, things like that, just kind of, you know, it's absurd. They're very situational. They're very about the kind of long form joke. Not that this movie is, but you know, that, that seems to be kind of the sweet spot for me and like kind of the stuff like flight of the Concords as well. You know, I put in that same category, just kind of absurd, not your typical uh, comedy, uh, like broad comedy, I would say. Um, So watching it, I watched it actually last night. And yeah, like there was so many things I forgot, like how amazing Leslie Nielsen and Robert Stack are in this, like their deadpan delivery of, of every of every line and like pretty much everyone. Like that's basically what everyone was told to do. Just be very deadpan, you know, you know, just, you know, say these lines, but say it without 
um, realization of what you're, you know, the, the situation or, or anything like that, almost like nothing's wrong. And it, it, you know, that stuff just really works for me. Like, and a lot of the site stuff too, like site gags are kind of a, a sweet spot for me as well. Just, I picked up on things that I probably definitely went over my head when I was a kid. Like, I think there's a scene in, uh, you know, when, um, uh, one of the captains is sitting or standing by a magazine rack. Yeah. And he's looking at a magazine and just like one of the labels just says whacking material. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I just started laughing my ass off. I'm like, I definitely did not know what the fuck that was when I was like, you know, seven or whatever when I saw this for the first time. So, uh, you know, obviously a lot of that stuff went over my head. So watching it with adult eyes, you know, I, I was able to enjoy stuff like that. But, you know, watching it in the 90s, too, like I was able to pick up on like, you know, the the whole Kareem Abdul-Jabbar gag, I thought was phenomenal. That whole scene, I'll talk about it more after, but yeah. like that scene was probably the most I laughed in the entire film. And in pretty much any time, like Leslie Nielsen or Robert Stack were interacting with the other characters, like that was like the highlights for me overall. But, you know, like I think that the the downside uh, watching it is knowing that these guys just basically milked this fucking, um, this shtick to death, like with future films, and they just pretty much killed... Like, they haven't made a film like this in, in years, right? Like, since some of the, like, I think they did, like, a 300 parody one. Right. Um, it was one of the last movie. ones I remember. Oh, that's right, yeah. And I remember catching a bit of that, and it just it just does not hold a candle to, like, how amazing, like, Airplane was and how, I think, ahead of its time it was. And, you know, like, no one was really doing comedy like this. Like, just kind of nonstop, repetitive, like, almost, like, fucking uh, assaulting comedy because it's, like, Every fucking line, every, you know, things going on in the background, like every character, like from like, you know, just, you know, side characters or just, you know, get a get a, a moment or, or something to do that is just even if it's just in the background is funny, you know, just there's always something going on. So, yeah, I, I found new, um, I don't know, new joy that I in this film like that I'd forgot was there. So the Zuckers, the, uh, after this, they directed Top Secret. And then Ruthless People, the first two Naked Gun films, which are probably which are the best Naked Gun films. Uh, yeah. And Basketball. I didn't even realize that they directed Basketball. Uh, I thought it was all Parker and Stone. Yeah, I said I always thought. Um, and then they did Scary Movie three and four, and and some uncredited work on on five. Uh, so and my boss's daughter. Wait, did, they didn't do that three hundred parody one. I don't think so. I think no, that's. that's not them. Uh, oh, the, weird. the the ones who did the the first uh, couple scary movies. Um, anyways, uh, as far as my rewatch and my history with this movie, yeah, it's been a long time since I had seen it, and I had caught most of it. I probably caught it in its entirety in its like unedited version on cable at one point or, or a couple of times, and then I, I think I remember being shocked to see the boobs. <laughs> that that time i'd seen it most of the my watches had probably been on basic cable you know back in the 90s or whatever i and it's really remarkable how many of the gags and jokes you remember how memorable they are and the movie's not even 90 minutes and i think there isn't a scene that goes by without a joke or a gag in it it's really something where they don't make a comedy like this anymore for better or worse. Uh, and I say that because, you know, when you, when you talk about some of the racial humor, there's like, there's two dichotomies of scenes here. Like the one where they're flashing back to their time in Africa with, with the tribesmen. 
that I would mean, never fly today. Never flies today isn't very sensitive. It's it's racially insensitive. But when you go to the uh, speaking jive scene with with the old woman who comes by and speaks jive, that is a just a commentary on racial and not just racial, just cultural differences. Just like people living in different areas, you know, and and that's not even insensitive. It's just an honest, you know, gag, and it's really amazing. Uh, how well that plays and and it's they're, they're like the way they film it compared to that scene in Africa it, it feels like they're looking down at at the tribesmen as saying this is a, a racial stereotype whereas the the gag with the with the jive speak is is just a comment a a, a, a natural honest comment and the both both parties speaking to each other are on equal terms on equal playing gr- field uh, and and it's just really well done, and that totally holds up. You could do something like that nowadays. Can I get you something? Some more folk butterling into the bone, jacking me up, tight me. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Cuddy say can't hang. Oh, Stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. All right. Would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She's going to catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama didn't raise no dummies. I duck her rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. Oh, say, cut it. Chomp the one to help. Chomp don't get the help. Say, can't hang. Say, seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in here. There's just a lot of stuff throughout this movie that in such a short period of time that it just all is so memorable and, and it, a lot of it just is, uh, I think called back on today. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, I just found myself really remarking at, at how well uh, and fast paced this movie is. Now the thing is, you know, comedy is so subjective. It's the hardest thing to critique, to judge, to to discuss comedy because it lands differently with everybody. Uh, well, I had a smile on my face from beginning to end. I'm sure that there were parts that I didn't laugh as much as hard at, uh, at as you guys did. You know, so yeah, it, it's it's the hardest thing. So when you had recommended the airplane, I was like, okay, yeah, I can see, I can see you know, why you would pick it, but I was also kind of weary because, you know, we don't do many comedies, out-and-out comedies uh, for the show because I think we found that it's so hard to judge and critique and it's so subjective. Uh, I mean, Hermano, you and I go back and forth all the time. Like, you just talked about Game Night from earlier this year. And... And that's a movie that I found hilarious and really enjoyed a, a lot about. And you weren't as positive on it. You you were kind of middling on it. And and you know how can I debate you on something like that when it's so subjective? It's like you like some music and I don't like so, some of your music, and vice versa. And and that's that's another thing too. Is is what's the point of critiquing some things that are so subjective and personal when it comes to comedy and music? Whereas you know. Uh, movies that are more broad, movies that uh, are more, uh, you know, just aren't com- comedies, you know, dramatic films, whatever, uh, have a lot less less subjectivity to them. There's always subjectivity in everything, though, but other films just have less subjectivity and, and uh, are able to be discussed on a, on a broader and, and uh, on, on different levels than, I think, comedies. So uh, I'm still really happy I got to rewatch this. So, uh, uh, Wally, what else do you want to add? 
uh, one thing I, I will say about this movie. All right, so I got to point out too that uh, the woman who speaks jive. Yeah. That's June Cleaver, by the way. Yep. Yep. The original June Cleaver. Yep. Uh, but one of the things that I find that I, I makes me love this movie is that the jokes, for some reason, are get, they get deeper and like the like the nuances of the jokes get deeper. Mm-hmm. Like when you're a kid, you're used to you're like I'm a, you know as a kid I was like used to like I thought the you know the funny more slapsticky stuff was 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 you know was funny. Then you know watching it yeah, as as I get older and picking up more on like the dialogue jokes and what they're trying like stuff they, that they're end up doing like when I was a kid I didn't pick up uh, you know on the 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 PA announcing people going back and forth <laughs> at, at the airport who are actually the PA announcers for LAX like hearing that conversation as you you don't really pick up on it when you're a kid but like later on when you're when you're older and you're like you're like no the red zone is for not stopping I know what this is about you want me to have an abortion what's well, the <laughs> only sensible option that having this like what well, should be a private conversation over the PA system you know. Or like a joke that finally landed with me on this most recent watch I never picked up on before is the spear joke. Up until this most recent watch, I was like, what the fuck is up with this 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 spear? And it only hit me recently that it's a, a follow-up to when Kramer is driving to the airport. They drive through a whole bunch of what looks like tribesmen. Huh. The tribesmen are all pissed off at them, and one of them throws a spear. Huh. And it comes back later in that joke when he's when he first arrives at the airport and he's talking to Lloyd Bridges' character, the spear comes out of nowhere and hits the mat behind him. <laughs> and that cracked me up. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Hermano, what else what else do you want to add? Well, I just want to get back to um like something you already touched on, Tim, with the idea of is this film maybe culturally insensitive? Mm-hmm. I mean, we live in very uh, woke times, as the kids say. <laughs> yeah. uh, everyone kind of wants to reevaluate things of the past. And are they still okay now? There's the whole big hubbub now with Baby It's Cold Outside and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I think sometimes people take it maybe a bit too far. I know they have their reasons for why things are, you know, not cool or insensitive or whatever. But, like, I feel like as things go in this film, and sure, there are some things like you already mentioned, like kind of maybe being a little stereotypical with the the tribesmen and like they would just naturally be good at basketball or something because they're tall and black or whatever. Um, but I, I don't feel I feel like this film comes out of the 80s for me, like pretty unscathed compared to some other 80s comedies that were uh, way more mean spirited, in my opinion, like, like Revenge uh, of the Nerds. Yeah, Revenge of the Nerds is one of the first ones I'm going to notice. I'm going to, I was going to mention because uh, films like that, like kind of the sex romp comedies, like those, like rewatching those, they they clearly, you know, you notice things as an adult. You know, you're you're more mature. You kind of look back and think like, wow, like some of this stuff is really not cool. Like some of these, I mean, without without a doubt, a lot of this stuff in Revenge of the Nerds is very rapey. Like sixteen, like in sixteen candles is another film that's getting revisited on, in, this, in that manner. Yeah, I've heard that recently, too. And like, um, but, you know, going back to Airplane, like, again, like me and I had a conversation about the how we we, we agreed exactly what you just said, like the, the whole jive talk thing was just kind of, I think, their way of highlighting the cultural differences and in the way we speak and, you know, all that stuff. But 
there's also some scenes that I think overall, like they could be perceived as like insensitive, like the when um, Stryker is telling his whole life story, basically, and e each person sitting next to him reacts differently. There's a Japanese they person. Yeah, yeah, but like in a very stereotypical way to their yeah. culture, like the, the the Japanese guy commits seppuku and like the the I think Iranian guy, like he, he was about to like self-immolate, like right. pour gasoline on himself and like light a match. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that those things were necessarily like mean spirited. They come off as like they're trying to be funny. I guess it kind of depends on, I don't know your mood. Like I'm, I'm sure people, some people could look at that, watch it now and be like, you know, that stuff's not cool. But like I, I just don't feel like the filmmakers were necessarily trying to be like mean spirited. Like I don't know. It's just a feeling I have. I have no basis of like context. Like I know them or anything and I talk to them about yeah. it. But like watching it, I just I didn't get that sense. Like I just I thought that they were just trying to be funny. Like, I, I, I see what you mean, but it, it also comes from the time period in which the, the 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 stereotypes, just playing on stereotypes, was a normal thing, and and uh, doing that nowadays uh, has to be handled with a certain elegance or a certain winkingness at the audience uh, in in how you depict those stereotypes. Um, yeah, but it, also going back to the movie itself, there's a lot of references that people kids nowadays just won't get you know it, it comes from a very specific time in which uh, uh, most of the references in there are going to be very aware of you know us watching it at a younger age or our parents watching it growing up with the movies that they're referencing uh, you know i mean most specifically i guess is the saturday night fever reference the whole scene which is brilliant and excellent you have the two girls the two girl scouts fighting <laughs> throughout the bar you have uh just the dance sequences and 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 how they're dressed uh and and the knife da the knife dance <laughs> right right so th there's yeah, the the knife thing is a bit broad and that's that that can come across as funny no matter what era it is you know what generation is watching it but the the reference itself is like you know I, I guess Saturday Night Fever is still pretty much in the in the zeitgeist in the you know popular culture and well known, but uh, I don't know. It, it, there's just a lot of things like the you know where where the overall story is coming from. You know what they're parodying in in you know World War II movies or and I don't know. It's the, the I'm just not sure how well a lot of the references hold up. Uh, I think most of the references hold up fairly well. The only one I think that probably doesn't really because you don't really see them anymore are the the Mooney references where before when you were going through an airport there'd always be someone like like uh, one of the Moonies or some other oh. religious person handing out some sort of pamphlet right or trying to get you to come talk to them about their cult right now the only thing that you I mean you don't even see Scientologists in the airport hmm. it's a pretty much all business thing yeah, I, I, I mean, certainly that you know that reference is is certainly lost. But I mean, then you get someone like Family Guy who redoes that whole thing shot for shot with Peter Griffin. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. Well, Family Guy is so irreverent and and will will beat a a a reference whether no matter how obscure it is to death. You know. The, also, think about the rating of this movie. This is before PG thirteen, and even. As a PG thirteen movie, holy crap! There's so it's just so it's just such a contrast to today, you know what we'll see, what is what is 
uh, uh, the ratings board will allow and the 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 automatic pilot the naked boobs the, the all the sex references the drug isn't there a scene where the that's right the old woman does drugs after yeah oh my god she does a line the officer the officer of brand like his his flask she's like absolutely not <laughs> and then she Pulls up the mirror and does a line of coke. This is a PG. <laughs> well, Lloyd, Lloyd Bridges as well. Like Lloyd Bridges is like, oh, I picked the wrong week to stop quit doing glue. drugs. <laughs> and then he <laughs> quit the wrong, picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. And like, I'm just like, ooh. <laughs> I, I was watching this. I'm glad I didn't pick up on that and think like, oh, I want to, I want to try sniffing glue. That's amazing. <laughs> Another joke that's never going to fly either anymore is the uh, the panic passenger. Oh, slapping uh, uh, her! Yeah. She's like, "Oh no!" And they're like, "Like, I, I'll handle this." And then, like, the next guy just comes in and beats the fuck out of her. And then there's just a whole line of people, including a nun with a gun. Yeah, but that's now, wasn't that like a commentary on like the uh, the trope of like '50s films or whatever, where men would think that w- when women are being hysterical, yeah. it's okay to like slap them, slap them, slap yeah, them exactly. or something. Like, I and thought that was a, a commentary on that. Yeah. And this is based off a movie from 1957. This entire movie, yeah, is a parody of an old. Like B movie from 1957 called Zero Hour. Yeah, yeah even which is the same plot. Even <laughs> has a, a plane. the the character the main character is Ted Stryker. It's the same name, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. the pilots eat fish and they get sick, and that's that's also makes the uh, the, the that's why another reason like like as you like going the more you watch it and the more you like you learn about this movie like the Leslie Nielsen joke like mm, of course that's right I had the lasagna <laughs> something. Com- com- Completely not on the menu. <laughs> I really like the the Robert Stack introduction in his house, in which he's putting on his suit and his coat and looking in the mirror, and then he walks he through the mirror. Steps through. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. That, that's pretty great. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff there uh, that that is that you know it, it's funny. It, there there is a sequel to this from a few years later called Airplane Two, and. Uh, um, William Shatner is in it and the one scene I remember is him on a video screen and then all of a sudden the door opens and it's like he was looking through a window the whole time yep. so I guess that's yeah. kind of a, a callback to this type of, of gag you know the yep. Robert and Stein. then they have the sh- sh- with the doors in, in part two yes, uh, that's right but um, Steven Stucker the guy who plays Johnny mm-hmm. right Leon's getting larger yes apparently just made up all his all of his jokes as he was going along. He's my like, f- none of his stuff was in the script. <laughs> he's my favorite. I, I love him so much. He's so great. And the the what do you make of this joke? Uh, killed Kate, by the way. Like yeah. she was beside herself. <laughs> he was like, Oh, what do you make of this? I can make a hat, I can make a brooch, I can make a pterodactyl. <laughs> okay, to to get into some of the stuff that I maybe was a bit more cringy at than some of the other stuff was the his character specifically, I felt like they were maybe being a little bit and using the flamboyantly gay guy as a source of comedy. I felt like I think I couldn't help it because like this is the the decade where that was still happening. Like guys like Jack Tripper, Jim J. Bullock, like they made kind of comedy careers out of, you know, uh, getting laughs out of being uh, flamboyantly gay. Or something. So, like, but his character Steven, to me just. Steven Stucker was actually flamboyantly gay. He died of AIDS in 1986. Yeah, I'm saying, like, they, like I felt like the filmmakers, like, that was the joke, is that he was so. Like, he was, like, jumping through doors, almost doing, like, a Peter Pan pose or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I felt like maybe they were being slightly mean spirited with, with that. I don't know. Like, for me, it just came off that way. But I think, again, it, it's probably, like, the, the decade informing 
um, that opinion. Uh, and then also, like, I don't know why, but this one hit me as kind of like maybe, I don't know if mean-spirited, but kind of a, a joke I didn't laugh at and also I cringed a little bit was like the Jewish airline. Um, the the plane oh, had like a Hasidic is, Jew. Israeli like, Airlines. And I was just like, uh, I, I felt like maybe, I, I mean, obviously I think they're Jewish based on their names, but like, um, I just, I don't know. Like it, it just seemed like, uh, maybe just because I didn't laugh at it and because I've seen other attempts at comedies at like Jewish people expense that, you know, it's I just, a little cringe. There. It's funny. I didn't cringe at it, but I, I see what you're coming at. And, and I, I didn't laugh at it either. It, it's one of those things that made me think like, it, like projected to today. One of those things. You yeah. Know? yeah, it is. It, it is a lot. I think a lot of it has to do with like, uh, just kind of everything that's going on in, in today's culture and stuff and everyone just being maybe highly, uh, intuitive or just kind of really trying to uh, reevaluate things and is this okay now and like I feel like everyone's just writing a you know a paper on like things like about or, or just making a big point or taking a stand about things and, and they all have their own reasons and and I'm sure they're valid for for them and stuff like that but like I don't know sometimes it's just a bit overwhelming and but other times I can see it like I can see like you know certain things about this film that I think that a lot of people would have issues with, but like again, I'll compare it to other films that definitely were more problematic than I think this film is overall. Uh, but you wanted to mention something with the uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scene in, in the cockpit. Oh my God, I laughed my ass off. And again, I, I think you're right on, Tim. Like I think we're probably the last generation. Like we're all around the same age that some of these jokes will still seem relevant, and we'll know what the hell like the joke is or whatever yeah. like because there's a lot of little like slight gag things like uh when before the plane even takes off there's like a a shot yeah. from inside the cockpit where uh it looks like one of the um the people outside getting the plane ready to go <laughs> is checking the oil or whatever <laughs> and did you even notice who that was no. it's jj yeah jj walker wow. dynamite wow. <laughs> like only we would get that because we probably grew up on, what, you know, um, good times and what, stuff like that. What about the, the, before they take off, like it looks like they're take, uh, at a train station, say goodbye to the, to the soldier, uh, yeah. and running with the train or, or the plane itself. So that, that scene. knocking over the towers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, even like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar joke, I don't know that a lot of people nowadays, like kids would know who the hell Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is. Yeah. And like, you know, the joke, like, you know, that, that kid walking in that whole scene, like, the non sequitur stuff happening with the other pilot and asking them like, uh, "Have you ever seen a grown man naked? Like, <laughs> uh, have you ever been to a Turkish prison? Do you like gladiator <laughs> films?" I was dying, like so inappropriate. But I know, you know, in a different context, like that scene is super problematic. But like when he realizes, like he looks over and he sees the other pilot and he's like, "Hey, you're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar," and he's like, "You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's trying to play it off like, no, 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 I'm, I'm this guy or whatever, Rick Murdoch or whatever," and uh. You know, the kids are just like hammering him like, no, I don't believe you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like my dad says, uh, you know, you don't play enough uh, defense or whatever. And you, you half the time you look like you're not running. And, you know, he finally breaks character and he's like, the hell I didn't. And he's like, <laughs> you tried dragging uh, Walton and Lanier up that court. <laughs> you and know, like, it's that hit so hard for me because I grew up like watching 80s basketball and 
90 you know into the 90s and stuff and like that really hit like a spot for me like i was just like oh that is so funny you like, know what's really funny about that scene is like it seems like every single line he's reading off of a cue card he's looking off camera he's looking to the side of the camera or something like that where there's a cue yeah. card that he's reading the only scene that it doesn't look like he's reading is when there's a close up close up close up close up when he when he confesses and and yeah. he's staring the kid right in the eyes and it's only for a few seconds you know that all the other scenes are are uh, longer they the longer takes and and he's he's looking up and and to the side and looking at a cue card <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that that scene floored me like i forgot how how good that is and um uh trying to think but for me the highlight man leslie nielsen and robert stack like they were the highlights for me man they fucking blew me away like i forgot how good they are with their delivery and like their their scenes uh robert stack like that scene when he <laughs> i've seen it a million times but when he did it i still laugh my ass off when he comes in and he's wearing sunglasses and he takes <laughs> one pair off and he slaps <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm laughing now just talking about it like that stuff just i've seen that a bazillion times like that's not a new joke but like it's probably the first time i ever saw it was then and it's still funny now and that's that's the biggest credit i can give to this film like i still laugh at it this you know 38 years no wait yeah, yeah, I'm doing the math right. 38 years later, <laughs> like I'm still laughing at this film. I I agree. I agree that you know the the idea. You know, once again, going back to references and and the idea that that like two two or three of these these main characters are more at that at the time this is filmed is more well known for uh, dramatic acting. So this is these are essentially their first comedic roles so people yeah. going to see this and, and seeing these serious actors as uh as comedians is is another thing that adds to it you know in that you know a, a lot of people looking at it for the first time nowadays are, aren't going to get that aren't going to get yeah. that so the autopilot the inflatable autopilot oh my god i did <laughs> not get that walks in sees that as like oh <laughs> walks back out that definitely went way over my head when I was a kid because oh, I had thanks, no idea what was going you. on there. And like watching it now, and I'm I was I was like, holy shit! I can't believe I saw this as a kid. I don't even remember that scene, like wow. her inflating the autopilot and the cigarette after. I I mean, I can't even imagine what my little boy mind <laughs> was thinking was happening in that moment. Like I probably thought nothing of it. Like yeah, I don't know. Same, same. I don't know. Uh, the the ending of this movie where, where then Robert Stack just continues on with his speech to Stryker even though Stryker's not listening. No one's on the plane. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's... There's even a, there's even like a, a weird, like, tertiary joke at the end after after the plane lands. So you have at the beginning they talk about like the the little girl who's got cancer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got the, the then you've got the guitar scene where yeah. Randy is singing and like she keeps knocking the IV out. And then at the end, they load the they load the girl into an ambulance, which drives up and then immediately crashes. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. The woman who's putting on makeup. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the Zucker brothers' mom. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's just so like, I don't know. That that's why also comedy is so hard to discuss because ultimately, what is it more than saying? Wasn't this part awesome? Wasn't that, you know, being like uh, Chris yeah. Farley and remember that part? That was awesome, you know? <laughs> so, 
Uh, yeah, but you can say that about a lot of genres. Like, I mean, when we talk about action films, sometimes all we do is talk about, oh, that action set yeah, piece was but, great. But, and well, like... even, even in action films, you know, think a uh, Mission Impossible movie or think think uh, Mad Max Fury Road or whatever. There's still a lot to dig into. There's still a lot of character work to dig into. I mean, what kind of character work or, or journey is there to... to 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 dig into in this movie and i'm not saying that's a bad thing of course you, you want a diversion like this movie and, and you don't want to have to to think hard or anything like that and i'm glad i watched it it's just that, that that's why i think it's harder to discuss uh comedies and more you know more specifically broad or spoof comedies like this you know what i mean uh i mean a- anything else you guys want to mention before we get into grades one joke that uh when i was a kid couldn't figure it out till my mom explained it to me um is when Randy's uh, when uh, Elaine uh, explains to me, okay, everyone get into crash positions. Yeah. Everyone's like all haphazard around the cockpit. Yeah, <laughs> it's where they would have ended up when the plane crashed, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to being prepared for a crash. That's when they would have died. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the the what is it jokes. Like whenever those some those, I mean, they're so like obvious and like they they shouldn't work on me, but for some reason, like. I, I I don't know, like it just kind of hit like my funny bone or something. Like I every like, it happened multiple times, and like they, there were a lot of like repetitious stuff like that. And usually like that stuff would kind of be a turnoff for me. But I don't know, like Leslie Nielsen coming in the the cockpit door like three times towards the end <laughs> and saying the exact same thing over and over. Like even when it was all done, like I don't know, like it's sometimes I don't know. It's comedy. You've been already talking about it, Tim, to death. But like it is just kind of a weird thing because depending on my mood and um i guess other whatever situation i can't quite describe now like i i this will either work or not work for me and for whatever reason the other night when i was watching it it just everything was firing and everything was just working so yeah uh all right let's get into grades uh so wally what would this what was this with you as a kid and obviously as adult well the kid, this probably would have been like a B plus movie because, like, my younger self would have been more drawn to like the more slapsticky, you know, kind of goofy jokes. But as like I said, I said this movie keeps getting better every single time I see it because I pick up uh, more noses and the the jokes still floor me, like the the verbal jokes and and whatnot still still give me the giggles. So it gets. It gets an A plus as an adult. In fact, an A fuck plus because it's one of my top ten movies of all time. Nice. Uh, yeah, as a kid, I, I probably would have given it an A. I would have loved everything about it, even if I didn't get most of it. I would have been amused. Uh, and and yeah, so but today I'll give it an A minus. It's still very very passable as as a comedy. It holds up pretty pretty well, especially if you're our age. And uh, I, I'd be curious a lot of younger people you know, watching this movie, how, how they view it. Uh, I think that would be an interesting examination. So yeah, as an adult, I'll give it an A minus, uh, Hermano. Yeah. I think I'm going to pretty much agree with Wally. Like, I think it's probably like a B plus mostly for probably not being able to, um, get it all. Uh, a lot of the stuff probably that went over my head and I felt like I watched like, you know, a half a movie because I, a lot of the comedy just didn't land for me because I was too young to get, the situations or, you know, innuendo or, or any of those things. So like I was, all, I was probably most receptive to like the slapstick stuff, like Wally's been saying, like the, the obvious visual comedy that was happening. So as an adult and able to, you know, take in more of the film, I definitely would say like an A at least at, you know, 
this is an absolute classic for comedies and one of the few ones that I would even consider to be like in the top like you know 25 films that I love you know so that's a rare thing Tim there's not a lot of comedies that I truly love excellent excellent uh, so our next second time watchers is going to be my pick, and it's going to be when we return in February uh, after the week after our uh, best of 2018 episode. Uh, you know what? I was originally for a long time. I was originally think that we were going to be talking about Showgirls, <laughs> Paul Verhoeven Showgirls. That would have been interesting. Uh, and it will. It's still on the slate for the future. But you know what? We're in an era, guys. We're in an era of superhero, and some would say Hermano superhero fatigue. Uh, we're we're coming off of a huge Avengers movie. We're going to be going into a huge Avengers movie, uh, preceded by a huge Captain Marvel movie. I mean, there's an Aquaman movie coming out. We're we're in an era where it's an unprecedented amount of superheroes, for better or for worse, according to your tastes. I'm going to take us back to a simpler time when, in 1978, a movie came out and was revered and is revered in our childhood as being the quintessential superhero movie. And that is Superman the movie. Ooh, nice. So I figured, why not take a look back and to see what it was like? And, and, and one of the very few movies, very few, and we, it probably not even a handful of movies uh, in the superhero genre that was considered quality. And what I remember, you know, it's been a while since I've seen it, but what I remember is there's like two distinct halves. Like the first half is an extremely well shot and an interesting origin story. It's like a beautifully looking film. And the second half looks like a bunch of models and shit uh, with some entertaining quote-unquote action, I guess. Uh, saving the day some, in some cases. Uh, and Christopher Reeve uh, cementing himself as uh, the true and only super uh, Superman. That is until Her- Henry Cavill came along. But I, uh, Her- Hermano, what, what, what do you recall about this movie? Well, I was going to mention, do you guys remember the unedited version uh, yes. showing young Kal-El, showing his little doodle? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Do you remember that? I, yes. I still vividly, I don't know why I'm saying vividly, because it's probably not cool that I'm saying vividly, but I remember that, and then watching it like in a future viewing, and like I think they recropped it so that you couldn't see below his waist, and I was just like, Wait, don't I have a recollection that you could actually remember? I remember being kind of shocked, even as a young kid, seeing a uh, a young naked kid. Like that's, I think, what is standing out for me. But yeah, Superman's in there too. Uh, uh, Lex Luthor, I believe, is in there. Uh, How long has it been I since was, you've seen this? It's been a while. I, I, it. I mean, obviously, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have anything negative to say about it. It, it was back in a time where there were so few. <laughs> super uh like superhero films and definitely one of the ones that i revere uh i think even part two i do as well mm-hmm. i have a sweet a soft spot um for three if you view it in a, under a certain condition uh, and you think of it as a horror film um i think it'll work better than if you think of it as a superhero film <laughs> uh and then four <sighs> well we're not talking about any of the sequels we're just gonna be talking about the first one I think we should do a like we do for Alfred Hitchcock. We should do a, a superhero re- retrospective and watch all four Superman films. I the classics. That see, I haven't seen the third or the fourth one. Oh, so you need to at least we, see the third one. You might be onto something, Hermano. We might have to discuss this off air. Um, okay, Wally, what do you you revere this movie? Don't you? I 
I, I love this movie. Yeah. Um, it's 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 got a new, it's gonna it's one of the first superhero movies I ever saw as a kid. Um, I have it on Blu-ray sitting over there on my on my table, and uh, looking to looking forward to rewatching it again. And uh, two is actually my all-time favorite, uh, but number one is 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 certainly up there. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Okay, that does it for this episode of the First Time Watchers podcast. Email us at firsttimewatchers at gmail.com. Donate via patreon.com slash firsttimewatchers or buy stuff at zazzle.com slash firsttimewatchers. You can talk to us on Twitter at 1sttimewatchers on Twitter. Or follow us on our Tumblr page, firsttimewatchers.tumblr.com, now with less porn. Less porn! <laughs> uh, download our episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a review. We'd love feedback. If you have any suggestions for movies us, uh, for us to watch, please send a tweet or an email. So instead of movie recommendations, I think since this is our last episode before our 2018 wrap-up in February... Uh, why don't we just state some movies we want to catch up on in the in the two months in between these episodes? Uh, w- Wally, what what movies do you want to catch up on? Uh, well, I know I I, I mentioned this on uh, on some other show. Uh, uh, what are they called? In In Session? Is that with the, those new guys? I don't know. It Their doesn't... bot account just blocked them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I I I got sucked into their their little Facebook page there. Uh, but there's a couple movies coming out. Uh, I, I missed the opportunity to see one of them, and I'm kind of kicking myself. But uh, I will also say, while I was in Washington D.C., there is nothing convenient about that that place whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, things I want to catch up on because it was playing at one of the theaters nearby, but getting there would have been a fucking effort and a half. Uh, the favorite is one of the movies mm. I, I definitely need to see. Yes. Um, before the end of the year, so that, that's that's one of them. I'm also really looking forward to catching Welcome to Marwin. This looks like it's going to be right in my wheelhouse. Uh, Mary Queen of Scots is another movie I'm really excited to see, even though I know where this is all going to go. Vice, since I saw the the initial uh, cast oh, photos I, I, of, of this, uh, definitely need to see I it. I hear not good things, Wally. <laughs> I'm still going to go out and watch it. and uh, Because you know what? I remember when you and I went to go see W, I thought I was going to hate W, and I loved that movie. Hmm. Okay. And so I'm. I actually want to. When I go to see Vice, I'm actually going to rewatch W and do it as like a companion piece to each other. And I am absolutely curious about Destroyer because I've yeah same here. I've only seen like a couple of like stills from it, and it's it's enough to have piqued my interest. So that's going to be that. That runs like a, like a, a top five of stuff I want to catch up with. Uh, before the end of the year. Well, that's the catching up with as in new releases. Uh, here's some movies I'll recommend you watch. Uh, movies that I've seen that I've, I'll recommend that you watch. Uh, Paddington 2, you still haven't seen, have you? I have not seen that yet. No. I, I definitely need to because I love the first one. Yes, uh, Hotel Artemis. Still uh, need to see that. Uh, November, you remember that movie I talked about? That black and white Estonian movie? Yep. Okay, uh, Blind Spotting. Uh, okay, yep. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yep, and uh, the other side of the wind. I'll I'll recommend that one to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give a look. See, I mean, I've got time between now and our next uh, next episode, so. So. Uh, in there. I've look as far as catching up on stuff. There's not much I have to catch up on because I've seen 116 movies of the, from this year. Um, but uh, I mean, I I, I want to see support the girls, uh, assassination nation, the old man and the gun. Can you ever forgive me? Sisters, Brothers, Shoplifters, A Private War, uh, Burning, uh, Minding the Gap, 
uh, let the sun shine in. Uh, as far as what's still to come out, uh, Wildlife, uh, Vox Lux, Roma, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, Mary Poppins Returns, The Favorite, Cold War, uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, the new Barry Jenkins film, the guy did Moonlight, uh, and Destroyer, like you said. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping to get another uh, twenty to thirty in before <laughs> uh, <laughs> b- before February. Uh, what about you, Hermano? All right, I need to catch up with uh, Avengers: Infinity War, <laughs> Black Panther, <laughs> Ant Man Two. Uh, have I missed any comic book films I haven't seen this year? Okay, now the real films I want to see, not those other ones. Uh, still haven't seen Annihilation. Looking for, that's probably the top of my list of one that, ones that I want to catch up with. Yes. Uh, Leave No Trace. Yes. Uh, Beale Street Could Talk. Um, I saw that Sorry to Bother You is streaming on Hulu now. Might try to catch up with that. Um, yeah, other than that, I okay. really Okay, I got, I, got of... I got a list for you. I got a list for you. <laughs> okay. Suspiria. Oh, of course. I forgot that one. Annihilation. Yep. Uh, Private Life. It's on Netflix. Okay. A Fantastic oh, Woman. Yes. Uh, you said Leave No Trace. Eighth Grade. Uh, okay. Anaya, uh, no, uh, Madeline's Madeline, the one that I just discussed oh, yeah. earlier. Yeah, I just uh, mentioned today. Yep. First Reformed, which I believe is on Amazon. Oh, yep. It's on Amazon. Okay. I, that, that is another one. Yep. Uh, the Other Side of the Wind. Uh, um, Orson Welles, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then if you have time, uh, The Night Comes for Us. Okay. And uh, A Star is Born. I think you might like A Star is Born, Hermano. I, I want to see it because I, I like the cinematographer a lot, even though he's uh, in a little bit of hot water right now. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> you heard, right? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, uh, he was uh, accused of, um, I don't know if it was sexual assault, but I think some form of assault uh, on a another person i forget if it was a woman or not but when oh, he was overseas dear. promoting the film oh dear not a good look for his uh, cinematography chances oh, no. with the oscars all right uh well i guess that's it guys right i i i, I wish you a merry christmas a happy new year uh, holidays uh, fun festivities yes yeah, same to you same to you guys and uh, all our uh, three listeners three th- three that's a lot wow thank you three listeners I'm counting the True Bowman's boys and probably JD. They unsubscribed. They don't listen. To I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm, I'm gonna start looking into like Russian bots to like promote the show. <laughs> there's, there's 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 a future in there somewhere. They're all leaving you Tumblr. They're all leaving Tumblr, so they have to Wall- do something. <laughs> Wally, somewhere. Wa- Wally wants Russia to hack us. <laughs> uh, I, are- I'm daring them to because that can only help us. You know, I'm I'm sure we'll have uh, some bonus episodes uh, in the in the next couple of months too. You know, possibly you know for Roma, maybe for Bumblebee, her, uh, Wally, Bumblebee, Bumblebee, yeah, yeah, Bumblebee. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll have a couple things uh, uh, to shoot out before uh, February. So uh, we won't completely disappear, uh, despite what. JD wants wants us to do. Anyways, uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, this is the end of our 2018 season. We'll return in the beginning of February with Mark Herney to list our best films of 2018. That's the first time watchers podcast because we like to watch. Oh, babe, I hate to go. 
There's so many times I've let you down So many times I've played around I tell you now they don't mean a thing Every place I go I think of you Every song I sing I sing for you When I come back I'll wear your wedding So are you gonna be? Are you happy that we're gonna be gone for two months? Uh, I don't know if "happy" is the word I would use to describe it. It's <laughs> gonna be welcome. <laughs> Where's Wally? Whoa, whoa, whoa! What was that? Where's what? What was what? It, it was all roboty for a second. Uh oh. Like when you were talking, it wasn't really roboty. It just it was like static or something. Where's Wally? I don't know. I'm not his keeper. Boy, do I have I, recommendations for you? Oh man, I honestly don't even know. Like, I feel like this year has been the year of I'm just not going to play the rat race. <laughs> I'm just like going to watch the ones I want to watch. I'm not going to bother with trying to watch every single fucking film that came out this year. I'm just going to pick the ones that I really have interest in, watch those, and forget the rest. Forget the rest. Oh man. Even all the ones that I'm going to list, you're going to be like, oh, I really should see that. I need to see that. Oh my God, I need to see that. Yeah. <laughs> 